You're listening to the West Side Podcast, a part of the L.A. International Church of Christ family of churches, worshiping God in L.A. since 1989. All right, good morning. Uh, it's great to be together. Welcome back from a great uh, week of merry feasting. I know a lot of us are traveling and uh, some of us are visiting as well from other churches. We want to extend a warm welcome from the West Side Church. It's uh, great to be back. Uh, Lena and I went to San Francisco. Uh, we have a lot of family up there, and it came back and made it through the grapevine uh, okay. But I think today is going to be pretty brutal in terms of traffic. But it's great to have uh, old friends uh, with us. It's great to see Ray Kwan up here leading songs with us. Ray Kwan is, uh, was a member of the West Side, went to the Inland Empire. I think he's trying to get his degree, and when he's finished, he's going to come back here, right? But a great story about Ray Kwan. When I first met Ray, I didn't see him yet, but I heard his name. So we met, uh, we set a tent to meet, and I thought it was an Asian dude, Ray Kwan. But when I saw Ray, it was a little bit of a surprise uh, to see him. Ray Kwan, right? But uh, let's uh, say a prayer as we uh, get started today. Father, we're so grateful to you, uh, God, for this time that we can meet together. Uh, God, it's been a great week of just uh, Emily and and just hanging out together, feasting, and just enjoying food, uh, and, and just everything that you give us. Uh, but Father, help us to focus at this time on your word. Uh, Father, help us to really take care of ourselves spiritually as well. As we get ready for the end of the year, as Chaz talked about, and uh, God, help us to be strong, God, in the grace, and be strong in the faith as we uh, set our hearts to worship you this morning. God, we love you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. I love history. Um, I don't know about you, but uh, I was trying to figure out what was the significance of Thanksgiving. And, uh, I'm 51 years old, and you know, I heard all the stories about what Thanksgiving is, and I wasn't sure, to be honest with you. I was like, what, what are the pilgrims? And who are, who are the Puritans? What's the difference? So I did a little research, and uh, I hope that you're going to find this helpful as well. All right. So our title of our lesson today is our spiritual pilgrimage. And we're going to make a transition into our own lives as well. You know, when I digged into the story of the pilgrims, it was pretty fascinating what these people went through. And why did American history chose the pilgrims in some ways as the significant uh, start definitely of America, if you will, because before the pilgrims in 1620s, definitely there were other people who came to the new world. And there are certainly people that were here before as well. So I want to, you know, just kind of go through a little bit. Hopefully you'll learn a little something as well. OK, the pilgrims, these were the pilgrims. And we're going to figure out what's the difference between the pilgrims and the Puritans. So these are the pilgrims. And these are the Puritans. The only thing missing from this picture is, let me go back a little bit, the ship, all right? The only thing missing that the ship, I'm just being facetious here. The pilgrims are people that, who came over on the Mayflower. They were designated as pilgrims for different reasons. One of the main reasons is that they were known as separatists. They were unhappy with the church in England at that time and for different reasons. And they left 
England to go into another country in Amsterdam. But because of different reasons, too, they were happy in Amsterdam and in, in their new land. But because of the impending war and rumors of war, they wanted to leave uh, their new land to come into a newer world, which is the Americas. Okay. The Puritans, on their hands, were themselves that wanted to affect change within the Church of England themselves. So those were the two, uh, the, that was the main difference. The pilgrims, in some ways, they were kind of like modern-day millennials because it wasn't like they cared so much. They weren't sticklers with different things. They just wanted to be left alone. They just wanted to worship the way that they wanted to worship. They didn't want to change anybody. They just wanted to be left alone, and the Church of England had a problem with that and persecuted them. So really, that's the main difference in some ways. The Puritans were more interested in helping the church itself change. What's the big deal with us today? Even because today, not much has changed in some ways. Because we're the same. Even if it's 400 years or 600 years ago, we're still the same. We have different factions within the church. We have different people who have different ideas about how the church should be run and the direction of the church as well. Okay, So the Puritans came later on uh, to help establish just that whole New England area. But sadly, you know, even though the Puritans and the pilgrims came for different reasons and for some same reasons, again, we see people split apart because of what they believe. The Puritans were a little bit more like this picture here, of stocks and stuff like that. They were a little bit more conservative, a little bit more hardline about their beliefs. Okay. Why are we talking about this today? Because I want to talk about this because I think that just as it was back then, as it is today, there are differences amongst us. Even in this room today, I look out the room here, you know, there are differences. We come from our own stories and different backgrounds. You know, even this uh, Thanksgiving holiday, you might have turkey. You know, we had turkey. We also had egg rolls. All right. And I'm looking out and I see Ifoma. I'll bet you anything that Ifoma had some plantain stories. Okay. And that's just our story. We have different stories that we come from. Okay. And today we're not going to talk about, you know, our pilgrims. We're not talking about journeying somewhere else far away. We're talking about right here today. We don't have to travel anywhere, thank God. We don't have to go halfway around the world. It was pretty miserable. It took them like two and a half months to get to the new world. And you think, you know, what did they do right after when they got here? Disembark into the new land? No, they had to stay another like three months on the stinking boat. Like half of them died. It wasn't a pretty story at all, right? Thank God we don't have to do that. But as we look at Scripture, we're always on a pilgrimage, the spiritual pilgrimage. We're always looking to God. We're always looking towards something as the Bible talks about. We don't have to go somewhere to be on a pilgrimage. William Bradford was the guy who led that group. And here's the interesting thing about William Bradford. He led that group, and although they lost about half of the people, they lost about half of the people died on that journey, he was still made the governor of Plymouth. And the reason being, I thought about that was pretty interesting, is that the people who went on that journey, that, that made that decision, they wanted to go overseas, 
they weren't dragged on by William Bradford. They weren't coerced or they weren't made to go. They left families and people had deaths. They saw people die in their midst, but they still made them govern. And you know why? Because they made that decision on their own. It was their own personal conviction to go to a place to worship God. It wasn't just him. So though they took a tremendous amount of loss, they still made him the governor. It's a pretty, pretty interesting story. And the thing about William Bradford was this. What inspired this man to do that? What, what inspired this man to move, not to a new city, not to a new country, but to a whole new by this right? And if you look at the history and you look at some of the writings of William Bradford, he was inspired by this writing here from Hebrews chapter 11. And when you read this, I hope that we get inspired as well. Not, not to pick up our stake and to move and, you know, to go somewhere else, but to move our hearts. To have that kind of spirit, that kind of nimbleness in our hearts. He read this, and you, if you read his journal, it says, By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he later received as his inheritance, obeyed and went. Even though he did not know where he was going, by faith, he made us as in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to a city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. What inspired these people to take such a, to such a leap of faith? That if you look at our room today, laid the foundation for what America was and is today. Why did we pick the pilgrims? Why did we pick them? Of all the people who came over, why did we pick the pilgrims? Because of their conviction to start new. Because of their conviction, and that's such an American spirit, don't you think? To start over again. To have the guts and the conviction and the courage to go, just like the scripture. Not knowing where they were going to go, but to go. We look at Christianity today and we can learn from this. Not that we have to go somewhere physically. But I hope that today it moves us spiritually to go. To have that kind of spirit. Just like our ancestors, the Mayflower people, and just like our spiritual ancestor, Abraham himself. He went. Okay, here's another scripture. All these people, did they receive what they were looking for? The Bible says this, that all these people are still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them from a, from, uh, they only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had the opportunity to return. It was a one-way ticket. Faith is a one-way ticket forward. There's no turning back. So when Wim Bradford saw these scriptures and made the decision to charter the boat and all that stuff, to take all these people to go with them, they knew that it was a one-way ticket. 
And the Bible says, actually, they had an opportunity to look back and to go back. But it's a one-way ticket for us. We're going to be moving forward. Yeah, I love the scripture because it says that they were foreigners and strangers on this earth. Why are we reading this scripture? Are we going to go somewhere? Are we going to pack? As we... No, we're not packing up our bags. But I want us to really think about this as we get ready to close out our year and get ready for 2018. Where do we want to go in 2018? In the next few weeks, as we get ready to feast, as we get ready to think about, you know, what we're going to do. I hope that these scriptures are really implanted in us to have deep spiritual uh, ambition for what we want to do. So these were the scriptures that he looked at that inspired him to go halfway around the world and took such heavy losses. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God for shame to be called their God for he has prepared a city for them. So when we read these scriptures, I want us to really think about this. Do we have that kind of spirit today? What are some of our plans for 2018? I'm looking out in chess. He's a little bit bewildered. Oh my gosh. My plans in 2018 is going to include this little one. I don't know what I'm doing. I've been talking to Chaz these few weeks. I knew you know, when I was a brand new father, it's the same brand new father look that I see in Chaz. It's kind of like, oh my goodness, what have I done? What am I going to do father with this little one? And some of you guys have no clue what I'm talking about. But when you become a new father, that's what happens. It's not about you anymore. It's, it's your plans. It's like, where am I? I'm responsible for this thing here. Where am I going to go? It's not just your roommate, you know, single brothers or, you know, college. You know, he's like, hey, I'm taking off here. I, I can't take off. I got to bring this with me. And not just today or tomorrow. For the rest of my life, I got to figure this out. That's the kind of Chaz that look that, uh, that the look that Chaz has right now. It was the kind of look that these guys had, too. It was kind of look like, okay, what are we going to do? Where are we going to go? As I signed up with God. And I look at the, some of the teens as well. Man, you got your whole life ahead of you. What have I signed up for? It's an excitement that, 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 that only God can tell you. So these were the scriptures that Bradford looked at when he embarked on this journey. These were the scriptures that inspired him to take off. Some of these people left families that they never saw again. Some people went, they never even got off the boat because they died on the journey itself. Pretty amazing story. But as we read earlier on, what did Bradford say? He says, listen, hey, we did it. We made that decision. There's no turning back. So when we read these scriptures, what do we see? It's not just one incident. It's all over the Bible. We go back to Genesis and we see the people that got started out of Egypt. It says, when Pharaoh calls you and asks you, what is your occupation? So Joseph, as he was getting his brothers and sisters, his family together to go into this new land. And he says, you should answer your servants of tended livestock from boyhood on, just as our fathers did. When you are, uh, then you will be allowed to settle in the region of Goshen for all, all shepherds are detestable to the Egyptian. We see from the Bible, we're going to be left 
that when Joseph prepared his brothers and sisters, he told them to go into this place where you're going to be left alone. Okay, to formulate your thoughts and your conviction. This is one aspect of the Bible. But let's keep on going. People make journeys and pilgrims all the time. Okay? Your life, if you look at it, this is, this is enjoy where you're at today because you never know where you're going to go. And it's not just Christianity, but if you look at the, the Islamic faith, this is their pilgrimage. Once in a lifetime, they got to go to Mecca. It's the same thing for the Hindus. Every 12 years, there's this big kumbaya that they have. It's there, literally, it's a kumbaya where all the Hindus come together. It's their pilgrimage. The Jews have theirs as well, the Western Wall. And the Buddhists have theirs also. So this is the delegation from Cambodia. They go to India where Buddhism started. Well, what about us? What's our pilgrimage today? What about us as the people of faith? What about the Christians here today? What's our pilgrimage? It really begins in the heart. You know, when Jesus came up, he only traveled like 200 mile radius from where he lived. And he, he didn't meet with like big political leaders of the day. He didn't meet with all the big economic leaders of the day. What did he do? He walked around regular folks like you and me. He didn't go to these giant pilgrimage. He went to Jerusalem because he was a Jew. 200 miles, the ruler, the, 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 the ruler of the world, the king of kings, the savior of the universe, 200 mile radius. He didn't even make it to San Francisco. He went as far as Barstow, a little bit beyond Barstow. But what did he do? He changed people's hearts. And that's what I want to do today, is as we look at these points, we're going to focus on Psalms 84. As we look at a spiritual pilgrimage, what does God want to do with us today? He wants to move our hearts. He wants to stir things up. He wants us to get some spiritual ambition in us as we get ready for 2018. He wants to light a fire in us to grow, to change, to go on a spiritual pilgrimage. You know, Psalms 84 was written by a guy who, and we're going to break it, really thought about his life. And it's a very short psalm, and we're going to break it up into three parts as we get ready for communion. He says, How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. My soul yearns, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. And my heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. You see, William Bradford and his crew there couldn't stand it anymore in England. They had such a terrible time there that they were willing to drop everything and take off in hope to find a better country. He a better place. But yet the, the psalmist here says what? He says, what, what was he yearning for? What was he looking forward to? He was looking forward to being close to God. He was getting close to what? Being around God's courts. Being with God's people. Being in God's word. 
being close to God. I think this past week here has been intense, to be honest. Going back to be with my family, and it's a little bit of a time warp. I was telling John, it's a little bit of a time warp. You know, as we go on our all the people do our things, and then during the holidays we come back together, we get caught up, we see all the people's lives and stuff like that, and there's a sense of incredible joy, but at the same time, there's a sadness that's in there as well. And I thought about, you know, just with my sisters and, you know, all the things that's going on in their lives and, you know, getting caught up, who bought what house and what homes that they got, what new cars they got and, you know, all these nice things that they have. But at the same time, you go, wow, you know, they're kind of stuck. And I'm talking about my family. They're kind of stuck. They got new things, but the same hearts, the same that have plagued our families literally for generations. I was sitting down with my sister and was talking through things. I go, Grandma had that. Probably her mother had that. I think I was inspired by Coco. We saw Coco. And you know, I was like, we're going back to different generations here. And we're like, Grandfather had that and Dad had that. And this just inertia of problems and, and, and dysfunction happens in our lives. And I was talking to my sister and just tears came down her eyes. And I couldn't help but to think the only thing, and I was just listening and listening and listening until I couldn't listen anymore. You know, I think it was my bad. But I thought about the scripture. It says, man, she has no way out. And I was, gonna, I was thinking the next year, you know, I was looking, I was thinking, Christmas, we're going to come back again. It'll be round two of this. And I felt so bad for her. And I so, felt so bad that despite, you know, having this great meal, that they weren't even talking to each other, my sisters and my, my other relatives. And I thought about this scripture. I said, you know what? There's no other way. There is no other way, there is no other answer for my family than to know God. And to get the focus off the problems and to start focusing on God. And then a gratitude came into my heart. And I thought, man, who the heck am I that I'm, giving a, I'm given a position to understand scriptures, to have people teach me scriptures, to give me a way out, to break the patterns of just, just my family. If, if it wasn't the scriptures, if it wasn't for God intervening in my life, same story, same story. And I was talking to Gabby, and I said, Gabby, you ready to go? He says, yeah, Dad, because Gabby saw all that stuff. And Gabby was ready to come up. I and mean, we tried to shield them, you know, Gabby, from that stuff. But it just overflowed. And, uh, yeah, I thought about just how lucky we have it as disciples. To have this relationship with God. To have this opportunity to know our God. To have this kind of heart to, to cry out for God. As I think about my sister, I don't know. She has no place to cry out to. So even though it was a happy time, even though it was a great time, we're supposed to be celebrating. The first moment that we got just to sit down and to talk, just tears came down her eyes. Are we? Because she had nowhere else to go. I want to ask us today, how grateful are we 
in our relationship with God? Is that our default setting this holiday season? Forget the holiday season. How about the rest of the year? I need to talk to this person. I need to talk to that person. That's great. How about talking to God? How about our hearts yearning for God's word? You know, I think a lot of times we, even in the church, I think especially in the church, to be honest, sometimes, I think we can have a lot of drama even within the church. And I think the big issue, the big, the big root of that is because of this. Make this, we need to go to God first. Amen? We need to go to God. Let's make this holiday season a great time of yearning for God. Let's break away every once in a while. Maybe in a big gathering. Where's, where's Ken? He's out there taking a walk somewhere. You know, breathe. Breathe. You know, <laughs> just, just, there's a time just to kind of get away early in the morning, late at night. Let's get out and pray. Amen? Number two. It's not La La Land. Okay? Blessed are those whose strength is in you. Whose hearts are set on pilgrims. The autumn rain. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. The psalmist says what? The psalmist says it's not an easy peasy walk. He says it's tough. He says Listen, you know, we go through the Valley of Baca. If you look at the, the Hebrew translation of that, it's, it's the valley of the deepest mourning and deepest sorrows. He didn't say life was going to be easy, or she didn't say life was going to be easy. It's going to be hard. The more sorrow, it is hard, don't you think? You know, the Bible says that the more knowledge you have, the more sorrow you have. The more you dig, the more you find out, the more you ask, the more sorrow there is. And yet, what does a person do when that person is close to God? Look what it says. It says that blessed are those whose strength is in God. He says that through the deepest sorrow, through the deepest tragedies in our lives, we can learn how to be closer to God. We can run closer to God. And he said, they make it a place of spring. The psalmist says that disciples and Christians, real ones, they add value to wherever they go. They make a difference. Whether it's a, a listening ear or a comforting hug or, or just the way we act. We don't get freaked out. So we don't engage in whatever, the gossip or the anger or the bitterness or the back-talking or, or just the unhappiness that we have. We make it a place of spring. I love this scripture. You know, when we came back from, when we came back from the mission field, I love what we did for many, many years, 14 years, we loved it. Came back, got a job, my first job, real job, I was doing auto accessories. I remember getting a job and I told my wife, I came back, I said, okay, Lena, I got a job. He said, what are you doing? Auto accessories. And she goes, you mean like fuzzy dice? 
Yes, fuzzy dice. I actually had a pair of fuzzy dice. And I remember going into the warehouse and with my boss, and he was uh, showing me thousands upon thousands of floor mats. And he was so happy to show it to me, and tears came down my eyes. I was like, oh my gosh, am I going to do this for the rest of my life? <laughs> Selling floor mats, coming up with like little themes, go ahead, step on us. I don't know, you know, just, just like, is that my life? And I learned a lot from that job. Even though it's not my cup of tea, you make it a place of springs. You make it a place of springs. You do the best that you can. You make it a place where, you know, your coworkers enjoy actually coming to work with you. You don't have to be a minister. You don't have to, you know, whatever, go on a mission trip. You don't have to go to the Americas or whatever. It's in the hearts. Amen? I love this passage. And the Bible says that they go from strength to strength. And you see this vision of what Christianity is. It's not for losers who got nowhere else to go. It's, it's solutions to our lives. Amen? Number three. So we're going to skip this just for time. I think that uh, children's ministry is a little bit shorthanded today. Let me close out with this. He says, better one day in the courts, in your courts, than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. For the Lord God is the sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. Lord Almighty, blessed is the one who trusts in you. I went back this last time here, and my family are doing well. They're doing well financially. A lot better than me. Doing really well. But I wouldn't trade. I love my family. I wouldn't trade that brand new house. I wouldn't trade all those things that they have for what I have today. And I think we can all say that as well. Amen? It's not because of us and how good we are. It's how good we have it. Amen? And you know... We're kind of scanning through history and we're scanning through the Bible, right? As we get ready for communion, I want to read this passage from an Old Testament uh, notation of Moses. And I thought this was really interesting because this is like thousands of years before Jesus. And yet when Moses made his decision to take his pilgrimage, this is what the Bible says. It says, by faith. When he had grown up, he refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God. Rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ. As greater value than the treasures of Egypt. Because he was looking ahead to his reward. By faith, he left, he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. You see, these people were special people. They saw things that no one else saw. They looked into the future, Moses, the Bible says, and he saw the sacrifice of Christ. 
And he says, it's worth more than anything that I have. It is worth more than, I'm going to gladly leave it behind and go join in with that guy in the future. Well, we are on the other side of history. We don't have to be like Moses who conjectured into the future that God would provide a Savior. We know that there is a Savior. Amen? So as we take communion together, let's appreciate what has been done for us and what has been done to us as well to help us in our spiritual pilgrimage. Let's pray. Father, we're so grateful to you. God, we're thankful that we have the word that we can read. We can look back in history and to see what was done for us. For people like Moses, he, he can only look into the future and hope. But we already know. God, I pray that our hearts are moved. I pray that we can really be nimble in our hearts. God, to have brand new hearts like, like, like Emily. God, that, 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 is, that is just open for you to write a new story, God. For you to, to take away the pain and to take away the bitterness and to take away all whatever that's just stuck in there. And as we get ready to celebrate Christmas, God, I pray that we are a people who really understands it the most. God, thank you so much for the cross. Thank you so much for the bread that we're about to take, which is your body. Thank you so much for the, the juice we're about to drink, which is the blood that was shed for us. And God, we love you so much, God. Thank you so much for all that we have. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You've just listened to the West Side Podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit thewestsidechurch.com or laicc.net.